Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. This is week five of the Summer of Mentorship, and today I'm chatting with Lisa Apollo. You know, we have put our trust in a God who declares himself to be faithful, and it's, it's not that he chooses to be faithful to us. It's that he can be nothing else. It is mm, his very good. character. You know, I can choose whether or not to keep a promise to my child or not, because my character is not faithful. I have to work at that. I have to choose to to be faithful. That is not God. He is faithful. He can be nothing else to us. And then I think that, you know, also sharing these stories with other brothers and sisters in in Christ who are going through difficulty and who can testify that God has been faithful to them at their time of really desperate need is just faithful to us. It just reaffirms what we already know in the Bible and in the world, but we see it walked out in real life. This conversation originally aired in August of 2015, and at that time, I'd my parents had been living with us that summer, two years ago, and my dad had had a tumor and it had some surgery, and I was just going through a rough patch of the realization and the reality that parents get sick, that people we love can be taken from us, and hearing Lisa's testimony, in spite of all she'd been through, you're going to hear her story in a minute about losing a spouse. It was so encouraging and inspiring to me. She's going to talk about fears and faith and even some tips on chores. You're not going to want to miss it. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you, Heather. Excited to be with you. Oh, I'm so very thankful that a reader reader. It's not a reader. It's a listener. A listener sent me an email suggesting I chat with you because I went to your site and I was blown away. I was blown away by your story, but more than that, by your heart and your beautiful family. And I could not wait to have you on the show. So I'm so glad we were able to work this out between all the children you and I are raising. Yeah, they're all quiet. They're all quiet. How is this possible? (laughs) So given that statement, will you please introduce everyone to your kids? Sure. I have seven children and um, I am slowly kind of going from one season where they were all home and busy, busy, busy and, you know, um, to, you know, the older ones leaving the nest. And Mm. so as of right now, I have my older one is Ben. He is 24 and he's married. Um, I have a 22-year-old daughter who just finished nursing school, so just got her kind of launched. I have a 21-year-old who's still in college, son, Nick. And I have a an 18-year-old son, Seth, who will be starting college in the fall. Wow. And then still at home every day. And it's a myth that your college kids are like done. You that is just that's a myth. <laughs> they come home and you're you drop everything to like cook and be with them and yeah. And um while they're home. Yeah. But then the three that are home still full time are Zach, who is a rising eleventh grader, a junior. And then my two younger ones, I've got Matthew who just turned eleven yesterday, yeah, and right. Annalise who is eight. Wow. And I was reading through and it was like son, daughter, and then you have four boys and then, and then a girl. I was thinking, okay, she fit three other kids in to what I'm currently doing. <laughs> That's amazing. It's good. It's Lots good. Boys. It's the boys. You, I think, yeah, you said four active boys in the middle there. Yeah. And then the right. grace of the daughter. Well, um, I know that y'all, you, you know, she, Lisa just rattled 
off all those children and all the transitions and the life stage change. And that is a lot of awesome to go through. Um, but y'all, I wanted Lisa to share more of her story on this podcast. And in order to do that, you kind of have to go back um, a few years. So mm-hmm. Lisa, why don't you take us back to um, the maybe the summer of 2011? Okay. Well, at that point, I had, they were, um, my youngest was four years old and um, our oldest was just finishing up his, had just finished up his freshman year of college. So we had just launched our first one. We thought, okay, we have navigated our first child through the teenage years and he was pretty stable and kind of had this parenting thing. We kind of had a good rhythm going. Yeah. Um, but that summer was a typical busy summer, as you can imagine with the family, we'd made our summer bucket list and we were ticking down it, which, um, is a grace because I'm actually not usually that intentional. <laughs> I'm but, with um, you, sister. <laughs> I'm with but you. my oldest son was heading out to, to um, be a camp counselor for most of the summer. And so we had, um, kind of made this list of things that we wanted to do together as a family mm. while he was home. And so we ticked down, we were ticking down that list. And, um, my husband had a travel, you know, a little bit during the week and, um, had a business trip in the Keys and we really rarely got away. Um, it's, we had a standing date night every Thursday night, Yeah. but, um, we, I rarely got away together without children. Just because yeah. It is. Seven and who, kids. Who's going to come in and take the ride? You know, <laughs> drive them everywhere. And, you know, you got to stop the world to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but our, you know, um, children were getting older. We had one that could stay home and kind of tend the house and be me in the home. And so he said, I want you to go with me on this business trip. Well, the night before he was going to leave, I um, laid in bed. And the problem was this, this trip came, we, I, we would come home and I would only have one day to get the whole family packed and on the plane to Maine. We live in Florida for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, a big trip that my parents have been planning for a couple of years. So I laid in bed the night before Dan's business trip. And I just thought, I, I can't do this. It's mm. just too much. I'm not mm. going to be ready. And so I said, you know, I don't think I can go. Mm. And he said, we were just laying there, you know, in the dark and he said, I knew you'd say that. And he really wasn't mad um, or even really disappointed, I don't think. I think he just knew me. Yeah. And you would I feel the anxiety it. of that trip coming. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I laid there thinking, you know, Lisa, the only thing your husband wants is for you to go on this trip. Just go with him. Mm. And so I did. And um, another grace. Mm. Um, because we had those days in the car on the way down, on the way back. Um, we had been high school sweethearts. Mm. We had met in youth group in seventh grade. We had gotten married young at like 20 years old. Um, and so, you know, we just kind of reminisced, you know, um, just laughed, talked. I watched him work um, in the car. And we stopped at some of our favorite spots and everything looked great. We were in a really in a good place in our marriage um, and a good place in our family. So we got home. Uh, you know, I headed to bed that night. And when I had a full day to pack the next day and to get ready to go, and I said, I'm headed to bed. And he said, well, I'm going to do some things for my mom, and then I'll be in bed. And I said, okay, good night. Mm. And that was it. It was, you know, standard. That's what we'd done for hundreds of other nights. 
um, sometime about, probably about 4 a.m., I'm not sure, it's still dark, I heard some funny breathing, and I thought Dan was having a nightmare. And so I was still very asleep, and I kind of just awake enough to kind of nudge him and say, okay, you're just having a nightmare. And as I woke up, I realized this was not nightmare breathing. This mm-hmm. was something I could tell was something very different. And I flipped on the overhead light and um, could see immediately that um, he, yeah, I didn't know it, but he was having a heart attack mm-hmm. and did not know whether he was still with us at that point, whether, you know, I, I had no idea. I'm not even medical, so I had no, no, no experience to draw on. Mm-hmm. My kids, my older kids heard me, you know, cry out to him. Are you, you know, can you hear me? Are you okay? I'm checking his throat. What's going on? And we called 911. They walked us through, um, you know, taking him off the bed and, and starting CPR. We did all of that. And um, the the EMTs are right outside our neighborhood. So I feel like they were here in like two minutes. And um, I thought, okay, good. He is in good hands, and he is going to wake up, and he is going to be so mad when he realizes he's going to miss work today. <laughs> he's in the hospital. Mm. But I thought, okay, and I just remember pacing, pacing, and crying out to the Lord out loud. You know, Lord, please, we need your mercy. We have got to have your mercy. Please have mercy on us. Mm. And um, they took him to the emergency room, and I followed, went upstairs. and uh, My kids were huddled together crying and I really wanted to be able to as a mom assure them that it was gonna be okay that daddy would be home but I knew that I that I couldn't do that and so we prayed and I hugged them and I said I will be back and um, when I got to the emergency room it was not long before a doctor came out and said um, we have tried everything we know to do and we never could revive him and so they had pronounced him dead. Mm. And so that was it. You know, my world, as I knew it, shattered, really, right there. And you, when you write on your blog um, about this story, you describe just a ripping and a rawness in that moment, just of those words being spoken that your husband is no longer with you and just when two become one flesh, that feeling. Yeah. So you're personally experiencing and thinking about your children at home. And so what were your next steps and thoughts and what do you, where do you do? What do you do from there when one of your worst fears is your reality? Um, and you're right, Heather. I don't think anyone can anticipate the, uh, it's, it's, it's an over, I mean, number one, you're in shock emotionally, Mm -hmm. you know, you just go, you go into a shock. So there is that that kind of protects some of your emotion. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, in that moment, I realized more about marriage than I ever had in our other 20 something years together. We've been married actually 26 years. Wow. And, um, you know, we had been through, every marriage goes through good times and they go through struggles. We had been through lean financial years. We've been through times where we 
wondered if we were raising our kids right, if they were, you know, mm. if we were doing the right thing with our children. We mm. had come through times where we were bored with each other. We had come through times where we, where he, you know, was frustrated with work and that fed over into to marriage. We've gone through all of that. And we got to a place where we had this rhythm down. We were just in a good place. And when um, when he passed away, it was like this beautiful vase this that God had been chiseling and chiseling off parts of me and parts of him as we, you know, um, learned to, to work together and to do life together and to for me not to speak out, but, you know, mm-hmm. to, to trust him and for um, him to, to be, sen- you know, sensitive to me, all those things that you learn how to, to do life together. Mm-hmm. And you've created this like work of art. It was like somebody had just taken it and just dropped it and it was just gone, mm-hmm. shattered. And even the life, you know, our, our future, the hopes we had for our kids, this life and these dreams that we had for our children, all that was, was gone. And it was was never coming back. Mm. And I could not even fathom what life was going to look like the next week or the next year. Um, it was very raw and, and very painful and, and full of a lot of fear. Mm. When you had shared with me before we started recording about God's grace, um, how you... Uh, worked as a lawyer you're a strong woman um which we can tell by how you've raised these kids the last four years but that on that business trip god spoke something over you that he requested of you and that it was his grace that those were the last days you spent together um but it was an internal attitude and something that if you're a strong woman listening i'm a strong woman (laughs) that that what you shared spoke to me so would you mind sharing that with those who are listening I will. Um, and I told you that I hadn't actually shared that with anybody. Mm. Um, just because, not because um, I, I want to hold it to myself, but it was one of those um, times that God speaks so personally. And it's such a personal yeah. gift to me that I'm not sure anybody else would get it or understand yeah. it, but yeah. I got it. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I went on this trip, just, I think it was the Holy Spirit prompted me. And um, yes, I have had to spend a lot of years, you know, undoing, learning how to have a sharp tongue as an attorney yeah. and um, be independent, make decisions and do things apart from my husband. And um, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to just agree with him. Mm. And just to say, you know, if he wanted to go to, he would, he would always want to pick these little local restaurants that were kind of like a dive and I'd <laughs> want the Applebee's or the, you know, the one, the Olive Garden, something I could count on. And, but just to let all of that go and just to go on this trip. And even the next week when we were going to be on my parents' 50th wedding anniversary trip, just to say, sure. And mm. just agree and just say, that's great. If, whatever you want, that's fine. And so I did that for the first, you know, for the first part of our trip that we were together in the Keys. He would, he wanted to go to this little place in Miami where he, favorite place where he could get this like coffee and I don't know what all. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's great. And um, it was a gift to me because um, I think as God knew (sighs) that our covenant would be completed. Mm. 
I think heal outrage is to um, completely yield in something in a little way that just just showed me that just full, you know, um, agreement and just fully coming under him and just fully enjoying him and his decision and resting in them. That's sub- it, it that's, was a great. It's submission, but it's in a beautiful way, right? Which was Christ's intention when he compares yeah. himself and the church. Um, it's easy to say sure to a person who is cherishing and loving and nourishing you. And if your husband, if his goal is to do fun things and to try new things and for you to, to surrender to that is a blessing to you both. And, um, I love how you say your covenant was completed when your husband passed away, that you saw that full marriage vow, um, come to completion and I just I just see Ephesians 5 all over it and it's um, as hard when you say the the vase was smashed Um, I also see it as almost in a trophy case you know Mm. like that on display for others that it was a finished work and your children can can carry on remnants of that in their own marriages 26 years is really awesome um, that God would give you even the grace to know each other as as high you know junior high high school, get married young. Um, that's really it's just beautiful, and I'm so so thankful to hear you say that. It's an encouragement to me. Um, well, I love that analogy. I love that analogy of the trophy case. Not that it was any work at all of ours. No, it was God's. That, um, it's God's God's work. Uh, yeah, we were only committed to to the Lord and to commitment. It was God's doing and shaping and if there's any there's any beauty in it it was that god had um had brought that you know right between two very strong-willed people because as strong-willed as i was he was he was more strong-willed yeah. <laughs> well and i also love that you said we had hard times because i think we are living in a world right now where hard times in marriage means it's not the right marriage Mm-hmm. And I've seen it in my own siblings. I've seen it in a lot of friends where if things get hard, then they need to stop. And that you could say, you know, we didn't do it. We It wasn't easy. We, it wasn't easy. But when it was finished, it was a thing of beauty and got because of God in it. Um, I think that's really, really wonderful. And if you're sitting with a young gal and she's in her marriage and she's in one of those hard years and her husband's working a lot, what would you just encourage her if? you know, given the perspective you now have? I would encourage her to, um, if she's in a hard season, I would say that that is not reflective of the whole lifespan of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And that there are peaks and valleys as in any relationship. And just because, just by the nature of outside stresses, um, things that are going on physically, internally with us, our emotions, our hormones, I mean, we're just, you know, a new baby in the house, um, stresses at work, there are just going to be those times that we feel pulled away from each other or we feel less than like enthused with each other or, yeah. you know, we're grading um, or upset that they didn't, you know, they weren't perceptive to our need um, or he's maybe upset because we're, you know, not attentive to him. Hmm. There just are going to be those times and I would say to um, try to carve out intentional time for the relationship the mm-hmm. more time you will intentionally give to that relationship and you know, we have that standing date night and i can tell you 
that we both looked forward to it. It was a time that we could both talk, we could both um, share our weeks together. We kind of, um, it was, it, that was our night together and our, and our kids knew it. And, and actually his friends knew it. I mean, at work he would say, all right, we work. Date night tonight. You know, yeah. he, he when I like that it's Thursday, me. that's a great idea to do a Thursday. Mm-hmm. But just to persevere and yeah. just to know that that the feeling today is not the the gauge of the true nature of the relationship, mm. and you just have to get like peek over that, you know, peek through that, and you will get to the next, um, you know, high place in your marriage or good place in your marriage. Mm. That's a good word. So, um, there are some people that now they heard your story there, it only increased their fears. And I know that when the reality of of what happened to you, um, probably didn't help any fear situation you may have had. So I know that you've written on this, but could you just share with us some of the things God's taught you? Um, as you've walked the last four years in relationship to fear? Yes, I will. Um, You know, Heather, I think that all of us pray against suffering Mm. and we try to avoid it. We try to, you know, at all costs. And and when we find ourselves in a place where we are suffering or in deep need, we want to just get through it. Just get me through it as soon as possible. You know, I want to get through this and mm. get to my real life, which is mm. really going to start, you know, after this this whole thing mm. that I'm going through. But that is real life. Mm. My life right now is real life. It didn't stop on June 17th, and it's not going to start at some other point. I mean, God's plan for me is not going to start at some other point when you know, I feel completely healed or all joy is back or any of those things. This mm. is the plan that God has always had for me. Mm. And he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, so resting in God's sovereignty is huge in not fearing for the future. And I think the way it hit me was I looked at this Proverbs 31 woman and I, there was one line that kind of always got me. And that was the one where it says, she laughs at the days to come. And I thought, how, I mean, even way before Dan passed away, I really didn't get that verse. I just thought, how can, how can this woman laugh at the days to come? Does she not fear for her children's safety? Does she not fear that they'll grow up and turn out okay? Does she yeah. not fear um, the economy or her, um, does she not have any kind of health fears? You know, when she mm-hmm. goes in for that mammogram or she goes in for that, mm-hmm. how can she laugh when she doesn't know what the future holds? And after Dan passed away, what something that was completely not even in the realm of possibilities for us um, had happened. Mm. And, and so I began to really, um, I think, have reasonable fears. I think it was reasonable to say, I fear for children that are raised without a father in the home. Yeah. And I fear for our financial future. How are we going to be taken care of? And I fear for, sorry, okay. and I fear for um, my children's health mm-hmm. and how they'll process, will they process this fully? Will they be okay? Mm-hmm. And so um, a friend actually shared a verse with me that was, was life-changing for me and helped me to practically walk out not living in fear. Because what fear will do is it'll just keep you paralyzed. You cannot, I can't. 
I can't parent my children if I'm stuck in fear. Yeah. And I can't parent them in wisdom and in love if I'm just parenting them out of fear. Mm. And she said, um, she shared with me the verse that we probably all know, and that is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And that says that um, we are to take every thought captive to the truth of Christ. There's more to it than that. But, but, the, but the grit that got me was part where it says we are to take every thought captive. Every argument and every pretense that holds itself up against the truth of God, we're to take captive with it to the truth of Christ. And so I realized that those fears that I had were lies because yeah. only God knows my future and only He is sovereign over that. Statistics mm. have no bearing on me. Mm. You know, statistics about what happens to boys raised without a father in the home have mm. no bearing because my life has been placed in trust to God who says, I am the father of the fatherless mm-hmm. and the defender of widows. And that is a promise. Yeah. So I had to begin to very intentionally, when I would have those fears, um, and just stop, call them a lie, and instead replace it with the promises that are found in God's word. Mm-hmm. And um, that was huge. And then to know that I am being, I, God is a good shepherd. And he is good for me. And um, that I can trust. And we've seen that. I could tell you story after story after story of how God has taken care of us. Things that, that make me weep mm. at um, how abundantly he's provided for us. When you, see, if, when you see the faithfulness and you mark it, it just increases your ability to trust that he will provide again, right? It does. And we know he's faithful. We've seen it in our life. We, you know, all of us have been through things where we have we've seen God's faithfulness, and um, and then we get to a new situation in life. Mm. You know, new um, layoff or a new health scare or a new time of testing with our kids, and we think, okay, God, you you've got this right. I, yeah. I can trust you. And we just have to like convince ourselves all over again, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, God is faithful, and that has been determined, and it should never, ever be part of any equation of how we walk out our faith. We can count on Him being faithful. You know, our job is to to abide in Him and to follow Him. That mm-hmm. is it. And we just, I just want to have eyes to see so that I don't miss it. Mm-hmm. I want to have ears to hear because I know there is a lot that He has to teach me in this place where I am completely dependent on them. I want to take a second to anyone who's listening and they may have heard me say this or someone or just when Lisa did about lies we believe and, and holding to promises. And I would challenge you to just to take a minute and maybe early in the morning or maybe before you go to bed, get out a journal and take a second and think through what thoughts you've had that day and write them down. What what have I been thinking and look at it and say, is there any truth to this? Or is this just a fear? Is this a lie that I'm believing? And then you may say, how can I find a promise from God? What does that mean? A promise when people say there's promises from God in the Bible. Um, it's basically any time in the Bible that it says he will do something when God says he is, um, he is for you or something that he promises to give you that he, it's almost like, um, 
what what kind of statements would you say, Lisa, when it's well, part of it's his character. Yeah. When he says, yeah. "I'm gracious," mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I will, um, you know, I will um, love you with an everlasting love. Mm-hmm. Your sins are no more. You yeah. know, they that's are a as promise. The east is from the west. He's declaring part of how he relates to us and part of his nature to us, yes. and we can count on it. Yes, because he's he's never changing, so that character is not going to falter. It's not like he's going to one day keep your sins as far as the east is from the west. Which someone pointed out to me, if he said north and south, you'd end up, I guess you can't, you keep going as far as you can east and west. I guess any other direction they would hit again. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I I, uh, I, th- I just really think that we say sometimes these words, lies and promises, but I really taking a t- mm-hmm. the time to do it. And to really focus in and have that promise ready when the lie starts to poke up in our brain is the taking yeah. captive, right? Don't you find that yeah. we keep re- I, replaying that tape of that lie that we get stuck? We do. And we just, we begin to think that that is the truth that governs our lives. And we begin to fall into despair and hopelessness. And we, we um, are too fearful to walk out what God has called us to. And if we will um, be in the word, God will, his promises are just, you can't really be on a page of scripture without him having a promise, I don't think. I mean, I, I, have, I think you I can pray. Just pray, God, show me your promise in this yes. and look word for word um, yes. for it. And, I, you know, I think someone might be listening and be like, how can Lisa say these things about God? How can she, who she lost her husband and is the mom to these Seven kids, now six. I guess one is totally off and cared for by a wife. Um, How can she say God's faithful? That doesn't make sense to me. What would you say to that? Um, Well, he is. He he declares that. (laughs) I love it. He He is. He he says, I am faithful. And he says that his compassions fail not and that they are new every morning. It's a picture of the sunrise. And none of us, um, you know, We'll go to bed tonight and say, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I should make those plans tomorrow because I'm not sure if the sun's coming up or not. I'll just have to wait and see. But when I see it, I'll believe it. Mm. We don't do that. We, we know, based on the laws of nature, that the sun will rise. Mm. And that is what God says he is. He compares himself to that. That's more metaphor he applies to his compassion and his faithfulness in Lamentations 3, mm. 22, 23. And, and so we need to, you know, we need to not question. I think a couple of things. One is to go back in your life and see the times that he has been faithful. You know, mm-hmm. I always said to myself, um, God has not gotten me this far to drop me now. And that's mm-hmm. not scripture, but it's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so to go back and see the times that he was faithful, that he did, you know, provide for you when you had that extra expense, or he did give you wisdom in that situation, or he did open that door that you were praying for. But then to know that you that we are, um, you know, we have put our trust in a God who declares Himself to be faithful, and it's it's not that He chooses to be faithful to us; it's that He can be nothing else. It is mm, His very good. character. You know, I can choose whether or not to keep a promise to my child or not, because mm. my character is not faithful. Mm. I have to work at that. I have to choose to to be faithful. That is not God. He mm. is faithful. He can be nothing else to us. Mm. And then I think that, you know, 
also sharing these stories with other brothers and sisters in, in Christ who are going through difficulty and who can testify that God has been faithful to them mm. at their time of really desperate need mm. is just faithful to us. Mm. It just reaffirms what we already know in the Bible and in the world, but we see it walked out in real life. Mm. Well, I know that he has been faithful to you. And um, if y'all make sure you go to Lisa, how do you say your last name, Lisa? Apollo? It's Apollo. Apollo. Like diet, diet apple drink. Apollo. <laughs> Apollo. It's not spelled that right. <laughs> yeah. A-P-P-E-L-O. I'll put a link in the show notes. But um, you can even just see in the testimony that Lisa is recording there of how God's working in her children's lives, how he is being the father to them. and um, It's good to see them continue to um, embrace grace life. You yeah, know, yeah. Because that was one of the fears. Are they are they gonna be okay? Mm. Mm. God is the father to the fatherless, and I have seen that and the provider the defender of widows. And we've seen it over and over. And so, um I was telling you, just the fact that you have these children and they are the age they are, I would love to sit down with you for hours and just get wisdom. <laughs> like give me tips, especially those four boys in the middle. You know, what do you think has um, impacted your family the most as far as a family culture, even before your husband's passing? Because I'm sure there were habits and um, ways that you communicated that were established before he passed away. What impacted uh, you all the most? I think uh, a couple things. One is with my boys especially, um, you know, boys have to be boys. They have to get their energy out. And when they were little, you know, it was like, you have to, even, even now they have to go outside every day and yeah. get their energy out. So they have to like get their testosterone spent on something else in a sport or, you know, running or in the pool before they come inside and take it out in a relationship. Yeah. So, um, we have, you know, um, Dan was, he was, he did not do like Bible time with us every day. He did not really memorize scripture with us. He worked a lot mm. and kind of um, delegated running the home. We, I homeschool kind of to, 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 um, to me. That's just how we shared our life. But he, um, when he was, but he was a rock. Yeah. And when he was home, he was very engaged with them. Mm -hmm. And when anybody was having a hard day or having a hard time or you know, especially with my daughter who really needed that that rock to balance her her you know emotions um he was that mm. and so um but i think also just you know i think just sowing seeds daily i don't think it's any one thing what you know although i will say that god i've, I've made a lot of mistakes i will tell you that absolutely mm. i've made a lot of mistakes but um, one thing God did um, did bring me to and was to have every day a, a Bible time. And so I would stone the kids every day. We just kind of worked through the Bible. We'd start in Genesis, and we would not use a Bible curriculum. This is how we did it. We just would take a chapter and then talk about it. Mm. And so I think year after year after year of being in the Word, and we memorized Scripture, you know, having that, you know, owning that scripture and mm. having that mm. and then just trying to walk out every situation. You walk out when they have a, 
you know, altercation or when they're being selfish or when they're talking back or when they're, um, you know, having a friendship issue, just walking that out and giving them godly wisdom. Um, it never looks the same with each child. I can tell you that with each child, it's different. Mm. Yeah. So the boys definitely get them outside, get their energy spent. (laughs) That is a good word. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about even God's grace that he would have you be the one who led them through the Bible, that that could continue as a common thing, a common rhythm. Even. And I'll tell you, I was so grateful I felt like those were just deposits in the bank that we are now drawing on. That mm-hmm. I never, I, I knew it would be good for them, and right. I knew it was something I wanted for my kids. But I didn't realize how um, they would need to really have a good, a good basis, you know, to draw on. And what so time of day did you? I know you were homeschooling, so was that after breakfast that you did that, or we? Yes, it was the first thing. So kind of after, after beds are made, chores were done breakfast is done we would we would have a starting time for our school it's usually about eight o'clock and everybody would meet together our babies you know, nursing babies older ones toddlers everybody would come together in the living room and um, we would do our bible time so it was just really just reading through the word and applying it asking the kids what does this tell us about god um what does this tell us about our relationship with god and you know god would always have a lesson for us in there and then we would always have a chunk of scripture that we were working on, memorizing. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so then you also said some things just now that I feel like I could get some help on. You said make their beds and do their chores. Uh-huh. Failing in this miserably. having I feel like there's no females in my house except for me. Yeah. And so, you know, one, I, I think they think I'm just a crazy lady who cries. I don't think they get that all girls are emotional. And two, they... Like, it's really hard to motivate them to want to help to clean. Like, I really wish I had the like magic. Bullet yeah, what's that the I magic? Just tell me two seconds. No, I'm just kidding. I just think you just keep expecting it and enforcing it. And some days they do it, and some days you're frustrated because you're reminding them. Um, yeah. I did see a difference between my daughter and my boys in this. I will tell you this. Even now, she's very perceptive. She'll jump in and, and, and do stuff. But here's the key. When they, I've had a couple leave the house now. Yeah. And I have been very surprised that when they left the house, all of a sudden they began to, you know, clean up their dishes and clean up their room and do mm. some of these things that, that before was, you know, you know, I was having to remind them and go back and repeat it and say, you did part of it, but not all of it. Mm. So again, I just think, I think it's a push and pull. Heather, because I think we have that bar of excellence, and I think yeah. that's fine to have that. And yet, there are so many days when I pick up their shoes, you know, some days I, I call them down, I say, y'all have your shoes down here, you didn't pick them up, go put them away. But then there are a lot of other days where I pick them up and put them away. And I just say to myself, this is what a mom does. Mm. I'm a mom, this is what a mom does. And so, you know, to, it's, it's you know, to not ca- let it cause a rift in the relationship where that is right. the only thing. I don't I, like the whole badgering. I don't like when they badger me. I don't think they like when I badger them on <laughs> like, y'all are always making a mess and not cleaning it up. Blah, blah, blah. That is not helping our relationship at all. And I think it's personality and yeah. family culture. And yeah. some moms are super type A and they run a tight ship and yeah. they probably do really well with this. But I mm, I'm am not super type. 
So. Yeah, I'm very like I could try a chart one day. Well, that didn't work. Okay, what's another right. chart? What's another like what? I'll tell you one thing we did. Now your yeah. kids are still young. But yeah. When they got a little bit older than yours, instead of giving them daily chores, I gave them whole areas. Okay. To clean. Um, and so one would be completely in charge of the pool. One yeah. be, would be completely in charge of the laundry. One would be completely in charge of. Um, the trash, the, the recyclables, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so they would be trained, you know, the first day they'd be trained, and the second day I would kind of supervise, and the third day they would be expected to do it. But that way, if something was, like, not working in the pool or the trash was not taken out, it was their response. The whole area was their responsibility. And so they just kept so, that for a while? Like, how yes. long? and they would be trained in a whole area. And I felt like I could just delegate whole areas of our household responsibilities to them. So they would just that keep that awesome. for like like a year or like a month or? Um, basically until I was like, oh, I've got to retrain them. Okay. Like like, and you just swap it up. Okay. I would swap it up or somebody would kind of, you know, get busy. We'd shuffle it around to, you know, to share the burden. Yeah. But that was really good. Yeah. That sounds good. And we have like regular habits we're trying to form. Like this is just where the shoes go. You get it from the table. It's to take your plate to the sink. Like – but even those, it feels like, come on, it's not sinking in. And you want to just give up. But you're saying stick with it, and it'll show up when they leave the house, maybe. Right. And it, and it will show up in before. I mean, there are days that they do it. There are days that they do things. And I, you know, but there's not perfect 100% obedience in that area every day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be the general. Yeah. I, I absolutely do that sometimes when I need to. Yeah. And they do have consequences if they don't follow through. But some days I just say, you know what? I'll pick up the shoes and not say anything. I'll pick up the, you know. But, yeah, I think you continue teaching it and you continue expecting it and you continue giving consequences. Um, and and you just sew. You, you're daily sewing, sewing, sewing. And, and really, I think more than anything, I, I think we want the job done. But I think more than anything, we're teaching them about being part of the family culture, being part of the family, and also just working, just yeah. hard work. Yeah. And it does translate. It really does. How so, did you handle, like, the, the attitude that would come when you asked them to do something? Like the rolling the eyes or the, ugh. How was that handled in your home? Like, was that just like, nope, we don't respond that way, try again, or? Usually it was a try again. Sometimes, like, with the younger ones, we'd role play it. Like, I'd say, okay. okay. Like, I... I would say, um, so-and-so, come here. And there was a stomping or a not coming yeah. or a bad response. We would just stop everything, stop everything I'm doing, and say, okay, this is what I, this is what you need to do. And then I would send them back and call them again with a good attitude mm. so that they could kind of practice that. Um, with the older ones, just identifying that, to tell you the truth. I, and also, this is – really working very hard on me not being sarcastic yeah, and on me not rolling my eyes because yeah. if it's just, this is part, can be part of our syntax and part of our culture. It's part of, you know, every TV show line, we're mm. just a sarcastic. And so just trying, you know, I can't expect that of them if I'm going to respond to them with sarcasm. Right. Right. Or frustration so, or harshness right. myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That is but good. again, right, yes, just saying, you know, I think a lot of times when they hit the teen years, they do things that I don't even think they really realize they're doing. Mm. So 
pointing it out, you know, asking for respect. And that's really where I think husbands, especially boys, I think you just need to just at some point say, you need to go see your dad and let the dads step in and mm-hmm. say, okay, you probably need a six foot man to deal with here, not your yeah. <laughs> five foot four mom. Well, so in your situation, I know we've already been going on, but I just love talking to you. So in your situation, as you're raising these boys um, as a single mom, if there's a single mom out there um, in the same situation, what has helped you in giving them those men in their life? Like, what have what have you put in place or what advice would you give to them in that situation? Well, um, this is the job for the body of Christ. Mm. And because it's hard for a single woman to go out and find them and ask them to do that. But I would say for her to pray, and God knows your, he knows your need. Yeah. And I can tell you that, um, you know, there was about a year ago, my then nine-year-old was, pardon me, that's my house is waking up. You're fine. My then, my then nine-year-old, um, I went outside and he had his dad's BB gun out, which was under lock and key, but he must've known where it was. Mm. And he had been using it. He had set up a little, a little target in the backyard and we live in a neighborhood. And so Mm. I said, Barry, you know, instruction through it. You cannot shoot that. You can't shoot a BB gun without a parent being here. You Mm. can't shoot it in a neighborhood. Um, you, you have to come see me. We'll have to go somewhere where you can do that. So yes, ma'am. And we put it up, put the key up. Well, like three days later, I walked outside and he had done the exact same thing. Mm. And that's when I was not so patient because here was a safety issue. And I said, look, this gun is going to be gone. You know, it will be gone. We will not have it anymore. You know, this is very dangerous. You just cannot do this. And he, I could see tears welling up in his eyes as I was saying this. I walked inside and I shut my laundry room door. I just remember just weeping, just going over some some pile of clothes in my laundry room and just weeping Mm. because I knew that this was not an obedience issue. It was, mm. I want to shoot a gun like my dad. My dad was a hunter, mm. an outdoorsman. I want to shoot a gun. I want to be a boy. Mm. And you know, even if I could take him out, it was his mom taking him out. She yeah. wasn't going wasn't to do it. Yeah. And I, I just wept and just kind of cried out to the Lord. I'm not even sure I prayed for God to send somebody, but I just cried out in my need to him. And the spirit groans on our behalf, right? The spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And God knows. And this is, this is how he's faithful. Just, just constant. It was not, I think it was that very afternoon that I got a phone call from a friend and she said her husband wanted to take Matthew and another one of my sons. He would always take two, which was just good, you know, practice. Yeah. I would take Matthew and another one of your boys out to do something with his son. And he said, what do you want, what do you want him to do? Well, they lived on property and this mm. man hunts. And I said, if you will just take him out and just let him shoot and get it out of his system. And if you will talk to him, like you talk to your boys about guns and gun safety, mm. that would just be a, a huge need for us. Mm. And it was so sweet because mm. here was this need that I could not fix. Yeah. And this need for this little boy who you know was missing his dad and god had this for him and so i think you know the only my only advice is to say cry out to the lord yeah he knows your need and he will either fill it or he will give you the grace to get through it Mm. but um he does know your need and um it's also like a 
for those of us who may know some single moms to reach out to them and offer. I mean, I don't know if dads would even think that that would be something that's not extremely hard for them to do, but could mean the world to that mom. Could be, it's the world. Yeah. Just take them along with your boys. Take them along. Yeah. Um, you know, as you work in your, with your, have a, have a project on the house. Yeah. You have a Saturday morning to-do list. Pick yeah. up a little boy. Say, yeah. hey, why don't you work with me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just huge. Yeah. That is good. Well, y'all, I hope you stay in contact with Lisa through her site. Um, again, which is her name. It used to be called True and Faithful, right? Right. And you can still get there from You that. can still get there too and faithful. Which fits. That's what we've been talking about. He's a faithful God. Um, that is your message. That is your heart. And I'm so um, so thankful for your reminder of the covenant that we share with our spouse that God is working something, a thing of beauty through us, that it is an honor to be a part of a marriage, even if it doesn't look great today, that he is working towards something that um, will glorify him. And I just appreciate all your just like totally helpful advice too on raising these kiddos um to the best that we can and trusting the rest to god and um thank you lisa wow just so honored to be able to talk with you it's been a pleasure heather i appreciate it so much so great and good luck with all that yes good luck with all that uh going back to college stuff and back to launching school. the next one launching the next one that's a lot that's a lot well we all will be praying for you and all that you're you're doing it's good stuff thank you so much all right adios bye, bye. okay bye-bye i know it's hard when you listen to all these different podcasts and you know we're supposed to work on parenting we're supposed to work on our marriage we're supposed to work on our friendships <laughs> there's so many different areas to quote unquote, make priorities. And it can be overwhelming. And my goal is never to overwhelm you, but that God, whatever area you are, um, he is directing you to, you know, maybe, maybe get a little fix up on or put a little focus on that you would be inspired. And so this episode, this mentoring for me is about the marriage relationship. And we just don't know. And we can get in seasons where we take our spouses for granted or the people in our lives who help us raise our children. Uh, we can take them for granted. If you do have a spouse and you are looking for ways to stay connected with him, uh, we have found different alternatives to date nights. Date nights don't always work for everybody. For me, it's staying connected continually. So when kids were little, you've probably heard me share this before, we had couch time. Uh, where we would sit on the couch after they were in bed. And even if it was just five minutes, we would chat and catch up before any electronics turned on, before we went to our computers. Uh, in the morning before my husband goes to work, we make sure we we pray for one another just to have that time where we're saying, I see you and I want to pray for your day and I want to hear what's on your heart and what's going to be hard. It is two minutes max. It's not that long. And then uh, last summer, we started taking morning walks. You might have heard me talk about that. I'm when my husband was switching jobs, he was more available to take morning walks. Um, and now that he is doing, you know, the traditional job thing, we make sure it happens on Saturday mornings. Uh, since we have older kids, we can do this. If you don't have older kids and you have little kids, uh, I remember Shauna Nequist sharing, they would, uh, her friend would go on their back patio uh, in New York City and sit out on the patio while kids were asleep. You could sit on your back porch or your front porch or um, just an area and talk for us walking around the neighborhood. We leave 
the kids at home with one of our phones and they're it's Saturday morning, so they're just slow moving anyway. Sometimes we cook breakfast and they're eating and watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, and then we just have the best conversations then. It's a no pressure. Guys like the side-by-side conversation. Uh, those are some of our ideas if you're looking for alternatives to date nights. We also like to do a quarterly, just Friday, normal date night. Find a really cheap hotel <laughs> option. There's so many great options here in Dallas. I don't know about around you. And then uh, have the sitter stay through lunch the next day if you have that. And it's amazing what even less than 24 hours can do to recharge and re- rejuvenate a marriage. It doesn't have to be this big getaway to Cancun or some exotic place, but just, you know, Friday, Friday night, normal date, spend the night at a hotel, sleep in, late breakfast, brunch, and back to kids. Um, it's really, really energizing. And uh, Lisa really motivated us to start the chore thing with our kids. We, we started goals and roles after talking to her um, where we give kids different areas of the house specific jobs. And while I was at Pine Cove, I heard from our speakers there, the Longa Myers, that they have a list of bonus jobs. So if kids are wanting to earn extra money, they have a list of jobs like the baseboards or windows or whatever you just need help with. And they also have used that for consequences instead of just taking away screen time or taking away uh, responsibilities, actually giving them more responsibilities. And uh, I've just found that to be helpful. (laughs) I've found uh, I have very clean windows in the last few weeks since Pine Cove. When I get a choice of something positive for their negative behavior, it's, you know, it gives them the feeling of accomplishment and it gives me a cleaner house you can have them clean your toilets teach them how to clean toilets that's a good skill to have going especially for boys it'd be helpful if they know how to do that when they go off to college and you know that's that's all good things unload the dishwasher if that's not part of your your regular chore situation but i hope you were encouraged and if anything lisa's story gave you perspective uh just that you know the people we love Today is is a day we, we can't let go by without letting them know that we love them, not in a fear-based way, but just in a way that lets them know they are valued and not taken for granted. All right. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in to Summer of Mentorship. Connect with me over Instagram and Facebook. Can't wait to find you there. And I hope your GCM podcast clubs have been going well. Our Facebook group is all a buzz. If you haven't signed up for a podcast club, no worries. There's always time. It's very, very organic. I am not a super Nazi with the podcast clubs. You just go to godcentermom.com backslash podcast clubs or in the sidebar and you can sign up and get on that email list and get connected. All right. Have a great week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. 
He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.